Hi, and welcome once again to the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dolan Thomas, and today we're going to talk about the self-serving bias. And as you might imagine, um, this looks a lot like if something goes well, I assume it's my fault. If something goes poorly, I'm assume it's the world's fault, the external circumstances, right? So I aced that test. Great. That's because I'm so smart. If I failed that test, oh, the, you know, I got distracted or the, um, the test was too hard or the teacher didn't teach it well enough. Something other than me is at fault here. Um, uh, they've also studied this with jobs. So if you get hired, oh yeah, I got hired because I'm awesome. Um, if you don't get hired, oh, well, uh, you know, there was some other thing going on there. The, um, boss was biased or, um, the, you know, it's a crappy like employment, uh, atmosphere right now. Like there's something besides me that is why that failed. Um, you see it also in sports, right? It's like, why do we win? Cause I'm the best. Um, although what they did notice is that, um, if you look at team sports versus individual sports, like, you know, tennis, or golf, you know, if it's a lone sport, people do tend to attribute success much more to themselves. They, they um, exhibit that bias more than in team sports. They do actually tend to attribute success more to the team as a whole, which is, you know, encouraging, I guess. Um, although even then at a team level, it's like if we did really well, it's because the team is awesome. If we did poorly, oh, it, the refs are terrible, right? Um, and they sort of look at different uh, causes for this. And part of it is just a, like, a healthy need to maintain your self-esteem. In order to function as individuals, we kind of need to at least believe in ourselves a little bit, right? So this, this kind of functions, you know, in moderation as a healthy thing to, um, to help us keep going. Um, and there's also this need to um, present ourselves to the world in a positive light, right? So how do I look to the world? So I have to take credit for success and then blame others for failure. Um, in order to maintain not just my own self-esteem, but the way I look to others is important. Um, and there's a phrase that uh, comes to mind here, success has many parents, failure is an orphan. And it kind of comes from that bias. Um, and there's a little bit in there around expectation. Like if your expectations are met, you tend to attribute it to yourself. If they don't, then you tend to look to outside factors. And it makes me wonder how much this is at the end of the day about certainty and wanting to be able to know what's coming and be able to expect certain outcomes. And if that gets upset, then you don't want that associated with your identity. <laughs> um, you want to externalize that, which you know, would make, make a lot of sense. Um, uh, in terms of gender differences, this gets kind of interesting. So generally speaking, if you just look at negative interactions, um, in a relationship, men do uh, tend to exhibit the self-serving bias more than uh, women do. So, in other words, they blame their partners for you know an argument uh, more than women will blame uh, men. Um, that having been said, the particular study, which I'll throw into the um, uh, the Facebook show notes, um, that did not look at positive interactions, but at least when it comes to negative interactions, men uh, tend to uh, exhibit self-serving bias more. However, um, if you're looking at situations where it's an ex-partner, right? So it's your ex you're talking about and not your current partner. Women actually tend to reveal a higher self-serving bias. Um, so not toward their current partner, but toward exes. Um, so that's an interesting result. Uh, another variable is language. And uh, they did a study around uh, people who spoke Dutch as their first language and English as their second language. And when they were speaking their uh, second language, when they were like basically processing feedback, a lot of the way they test for self-serving bias is they have you do something and then they give you bogus feedback and then see how you react. Um, if they were processing that feedback in their non-native language, English, 
um, they tended to exhibit the self-serving bias more. Um, and I'm not sure where that's coming from. Like, part of me just tends to think, is English just a more prone <laughs> to self-serving bias language or culture than Dutch language? I'm not sure, but that was just another interesting uh, result there. Um, one thing that can mitigate this is um, how self-aware you are. And uh, people apparently, uh, there's kind of two factors to play. How self-aware are you and how easy do you think, how likely do you think that you're going to be able to do better um, at a task, right? So if you do the task and they give you positive feedback or negative feedback, right? You do the task and you have a lot of self-awareness and they give you negative feedback. If you think it's likely that you'll be able to do better in the future, you are more likely to attribute failure to yourself, right? So you're not showing the self-serving bias, right? You're like, okay, I get it. Um, I did badly. I bet I can do better next time. If you don't think you can do better next time, like if you actually think there's a low probability you can uh, uh, improve on this and you still have like high self-awareness, then you're more, you're more likely to um, show the self-serving bias and say, oh, well, the reason I did badly is some external thing. It has nothing to do with me. But only if you don't think you can do better next time. Um, and when it comes to uh, kind of go, going back to the lone people versus teams thing, um, they looked at um, self-serving bias in friendships and relationships and people who like they, they would have people basically try to do a task. And again, like bogus feedback on how well they did. And if it was two strangers doing the task, they tended to, the, each stranger would tend to exhibit self-serving bias more. If it was friends, they tended to be uh, less self-serving and they, you know, which, hey, that sounds like a great friendship, you know, <laughs> or, or partners, like uh, people in a relationship. Um, so they would sort of have joint attributions for if we did really well, we did really well together. If we did really poorly, then we did really poorly together. They were in it together, um, which is nice. Um, uh, there's another sort of whole level to this when you bring computers into the equation, and there's a whole sort of field of kind of human-computer interaction where they look at the sociology of it, and um, people will tend to have relationships with computers and softwares and behave in the same way they would if it were actually a person. And this goes for the self-serving bias as well. Where this shows up interestingly is you can have a scenario where someone is using a computer to make a purchase, and if the purchase worked out well, like they were happy with what they got, um, they would uh, basically ascribe the... Um, the success to themselves, like, oh, I'm, I'm such a smart buyer. But if the purchase went badly, they would actually blame the computer. Um, and so it's this weird, like, self-serving bias, but with technology. Now, where that would change, and this I, I find kind of fascinating, is if they had um, what the scientists described as intimate self-disclosure, and I'll link to the, um, the study for this, but um, with the computer. So in other words, if they had revealed a lot of personal information to the computer they would actually be less likely to exhibit the self-serving bias, and they would actually um, blame themselves, right? They would not blame the computer for failed purchases, and they would actually attribute successful purchases to the computer. And I don't know if this is they like felt like they had bonded with the computer at that point because they revealed so much personal information, but they would behave differently. Um, there's also a phenomenon where people will, if something goes wrong with um, technology, they'll actually blame themselves because they don't understand the computer, especially if it's a really smart computer, like it behaves in a way that, you know, seems like it's really intelligent or smarter than you are, um, which I thought was another kind of weird, interesting result. Um, like a lot of the biases we've looked at, if you suffer from depression, you actually tend to do the inverse, right? So you show much less self-serving bias than people in the general population if you suffer from uh, clinical depression. Um, so... All these weird and wonderful facts about self-serving bias, which is one we've kind of danced around um, in many other kind of earlier iterations this season. We've looked at things like attribution errors. 
but this is a very specific sort of uh, scenario. Um, and there's no real, like, surefire bulletproof way to approach this. All I can do, like, colloquially is say, like, if you think you're suffering from this, um, basically ask yourself, if you saw someone else doing the same thing that you're doing, would you come to the same conclusion about whether or not it was, you know, their fault or not, right? So if you did really well on a test and someone else did really well on the test, do you still think it's because they're awesome or because of some other circumstance? And if you do poorly on a test and you saw someone else do poorly on the test, would you think it was because they just weren't that good at that thing or because of some external factor? Like try to be even in your judgments of these things um, and uh, don't just jump to uh, conclusions. Um, that is all for uh, this week uh, for the Cognitive Bias Podcast. I'm your host, David Dolan Thomas. We will see you next time.